I appreciate you guys praying for me. I went to the uh, I went to the um, the uh, community civic association meeting this past week. I was on the docket to, to be able to speak and talk about the church, and then the councilman showed up and they bumped me off the docket. So um, I brought um, I brought some treats for nothing. Now people ate them and they were good, but uh, I did get to meet a lot of folks. Uh, I got to meet both the uh, sheriff, uh, both the candidates running for sheriff, and all the people on the board, and lots of important people. So. That was a lot of fun, and, uh, and, and I'm going to go back again, so I'm just praying for uh, an opportunity. There was like 100 people there, by the way. It was pretty wild. Um, but anyway, so um, I know that, that God has some good things in store for, for me going there and us plugging into that, so I appreciate your prayers for that. Um, another thing we're going to do, we're going to have extended uh, time of prayer today from like 3.40 to 7-ish. <laughs> so um, if you'll just join me in prayer during that time. We're going to pray for the saints around the world and those in Minnesota, okay? Um, if you're excited about the game, that was kind of funny, huh? If you're, uh, I'm pretty excited about the game. Uh, you'd think I had a financial stake in, in how well they do, but, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about it. Uh, I got a new shirt just, just for the game. Jess is going to start watching football this week. And so, uh, so it that means it really matters now. Um, every time the Saints score, you know, they're an estimated about half a million Saints fans people that actually care and, and will buy a jersey or something like that. So about half a million Saints fans. So every time the Saints score, about half a million people are going to go nuts. Uh, I found this to be pretty interesting. That just made me think about this, and not just because I'm preaching. It just really made me think about it. But um, scripture, says, uh, scripture says that every time that a person comes to faith in Christ, uh, every time somebody says, Jesus, I'm, I'm turning from my sin, I follow you, you're my Savior, every time that someone makes that decision, uh, Scripture says that heaven rejoices. So, so that means that every time that, that that happens, you know, thousands of angels and, and a billion believers who have gone before us who are in heaven uh, just have a big party. I think that's pretty incredible. Um, my prayer for me is that I would get more excited when people come to faith in Christ uh, than I do when the Saints score a touchdown. Um, that, that, that's a life goal for me. It, it's exciting for me, but I just, I, I think about heaven and that kind of party. My prayer for the church is that heaven would be a constant party because of the work that we do in the community. Um, that's cool stuff to me. Let me ask you a question. Um, any of you guys stressed? Anybody stressed? Raise, the, raise your hand if you're not stressed at all. Oh, that's good. That's, in this moment, you know, nap time is about to begin, so you're feeling pretty good. No, um... Stress is, uh, stress is just a part of life, right? Life seems to come with just a certain amount of stress. Let me tell you some things to get you really excited about your stress level, okay? The uh, American Institute of Stress says these things about stress. One in five Americans will experience extreme stress, which, is, which includes things like shaking, uh, heart palpitations, depression. They'll have those kinds of things on a fairly regular basis, which means at least once a month. Um, so, one in five Americans are going to have that. Work stress, stress-related particularly to work, causes 10% of strokes. 10% of all strokes related to work stress. Um, stress, how about this? Stress is the basic or originating cause of 60% of all human disease and illness. 60% of all human disease and illness happens because of stress. Three out of four, this, this one blew my mind. I had to do some more research to make sure people weren't crazy, but, but it seems real. Three out of every four doctor visits are stress-related. 
That means when, when they ask you about your illness and you say, I'm stressed out, they know that that, that could have an effect on, on what's going on with you. Three out of every four doctor visits are stress-related. Here's what stress does to you. So here's the part where you can get excited. Stress increases your risk of heart disease by 40%, um, increases your risk of heart attack by 25%, increases your risk of stroke by 50%. So everybody get excited. It's going to kill us all very early, okay? Um, last year, we spent $3 billion on stress, pharmaceuticals related to stress, which is three times what we spent on obesity. So uh, for the country with the highest obesity rate in the world, we spent three more times than that on stress. And I could go on and on and on and on telling you about how bad stress is. And a lot of you guys are stressed just hearing about how bad stress is for you, right? It's not really that good for you. But I want to tell you something that may encourage you a little bit. God has a plan for your life that doesn't include mounting stress and anxiety. And being a Jesus follower can absolutely lead you to live a life free of worry and stress. It's absolutely a part of what God wants to do in and through your life. Last week we said this. Last week we said, no outward change happens without inward change. And inward change begins in your inner thoughts. It begins with the things that go through your mind. No outward change happens without first having an inward change. I get to this point, and I say this, a critic might say, and maybe some of you guys are, and, and, and I certainly know a lot of people that, that would say this, but a critic, might, a critic might say about just this whole series and just this whole thing we talk about, what does, this, what does this kind of thing have to do with what the Bible says about God's mission for the world and, and saving people around the world and what God's called me to do and all those different kind of things? You know, what does this have to do with what God wants to accomplish in and around the world? And I, and I would say that. And maybe none of you guys are saying that, so you just take a nap for a minute and I'll wake you up when we're done with this. But, but a lot of people sort of throw that out when, when you want to address a topic like this. And I'll say two things about that. Uh, number one, Scripture addresses the idea, and so will we. And so Scripture addresses the idea of, of managing your thoughts and controlling the things that go through your brain. And trust me, I did the real work. Uh, there, there's a thing that, that, um, that, that I do every week. When, I, when I'm going to preach, I take a passage. I don't just take one piece of Scripture. I take a whole passage, a whole thought, a whole paragraph, and I try to say, what does this paragraph mean? What's the central idea of this? And I'm not trying to take something out of context just so I can tell you some things that I want to tell you. And I did all the hard work and, and, and some Greek study and some word study uh, to make Make sure that I'm not making this stuff up. So it's in the text. It's absolutely in there. It talks about your stress level and your worry level and and managing your mind and all those things. So it's in the text, and so we're going to talk about it. But here's the other thing that I think is, is pretty telling. How many times have stress and anxiety and worry kept you from doing something that you wanted to do or kept you from being pleasurable to be around? Or made you unbearable, just just un, unnecessarily angry? How many times has stress done that? Have you done much good for anyone else at a time when you were extremely stressed? I think that stress does more to keep us from doing what God has called us to do than maybe anything else. And having our minds focused on the wrong things does more to keep us from being who God wants us to be than anything else. 
I, I think this is important to address because I think if we're going to be people who are telling people about Jesus and who are sharing the gospel and who are loving other people, it's going to be in part because we're people who aren't weighed down by stress and worry and having our minds focused on all the wrong things. So I, I think there's a heck of a lot of value in it. So uh, if you're a critic, uh, I invite you to get on board and turn to Philippians chapter 4, all right? I'm, I'm going to bring you along and you're going to become a believer, okay? Um, so turn to Philippians chapter 4, and everybody else too for that matter. You guys flip over there. So Philippians chapter 4. Before we read this, I want to tell you something that's pretty interesting that you want to keep in mind as we do this, okay? So, so Paul's talking about this idea of having peace in Christ and being free from anxiety and worry and all this kind of stuff. Let me tell you what's happening to Paul while he writes this. Paul is, is right now in prison, and he's waiting to be sentenced, and his sentence could very well be death. And so he's writing about not having worry. All the while, he's, on, he's, he's in prison. He can't go anywhere, and, and he's about to be sentenced. And he's writing to a group of people that not long before he wrote this, just saw uh, him and another guy get put in prison because they cast a demon out of this girl. And they cast the demon out of this girl, and and these people were so mad because they were sort of selling her... she was like a, uh, like a psychic, and they were sort of selling her services. And, uh, and they were so mad that he cast the demon out of her, and she lost the ability to do that, that they had him beaten and thrown in prison. And so it's just a dangerous time to be a Jesus follower. And, and, and here Paul is in prison, and he's writing to people that, are, that have these kind of things happening all around them. And I think if it's me and I'm writing to you and I'm in jail and I just got put in jail because I did something absolutely good, I think I may say you may want to be kind of careful and you may want to sort of be on the lookout and it's probably not a bad idea to just sort of, you know, maybe be a little bit worried about people watching you and and the kind of things that you're doing. I think maybe those are some of the kind of things that I would say. Here's what Paul writes to them. Check this out. This is from the uh, New Living Translation. If you're following along in your Bible, don't be frustrated at me. I switch back and forth. But here we go. Um, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Here's how he starts. A guy going through all this, he says, Don't worry about anything. How about that? In prison, make it a death sentence. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. That sounds pretty good. It says, His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. How about that? Let me define peace for you. This is what he means when he says peace. Okay, I did look, went back and forth and, and, and looked at, at what all these, what does he mean when he says peace? This is what he means. Tell me that this is not something that you want, right? Here's what, here's what he means when he says peace this is the peace of Christianity. It's the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, and so fearing nothing from God and being content with its earthly lot of whatever sort that is. So that was a lot there. Here's what he said. This is a piece that says, I'm not worried about eternity because I know that, 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 that God is my Father and that part's taken care of, so the biggest worry I could ever have is gone. And I'm also okay with whatever happens to me here on the earth. That's the kind of piece he's talking about. He says, this is the peace that, that is available to us. And first thing he says is, you want that kind of peace? You just got to begin to pray. 
first step, step one, you want that kind of peace, you've got to begin to pray. And I know this is so incredibly deep, right? It just blows your mind. But this is what he says over and over. If you want to be a person who experiences the peace of God, it begins with prayer. And Paul promises that a life of faithful, Christ-dependent, Christ-exalting prayer will be a life that's free from anxiety. I think that's pretty great. Let me tell you what some people with anxiety say to me when I say that. They say, here's, here's the thing. Um, it gives me anxiety that you would say that anxiety is a problem. You know, that, that you would say that somehow anxiety is, is sort of connected to sin. And here's what I would say. I would say, I, I, I would just reiterate that perfect faith, perfect faith results in no anxiety. And, and, and what I would say is, don't let that give you anxiety or stress, because what if perfect faith didn't take away anxiety? That would mean that you're going to live for forever in eternity with a perfect faith and be filled with anxiety. I think it's phenomenal news that perfect faith results in not having any anxiety. And it may not, and it may be, it may be furthered by your own sin, but it started when sin entered the world, right? And, and so it's not necessarily your sin, but anxiety is the result of sin. What happened when Adam first sinned? Now all of a sudden he was nervous and worried and had anxiety because he didn't have any clothes on and he was worried about how he may look. And thus began people beginning to have anxiety and be worried. But it's an exciting truth to me that the more that we become like Jesus, the further we get away from from anxiety and from stress. Ultimately, when we move on to glory, if you're a follower of Jesus, then then all that goes away. And you get in a new heaven and a new earth and a new body and all those things are completely gone. That is super exciting to me. So I love the idea that anxiety and, 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 and stress are, are related to sin because that means we can be free from them. And it may not mean that we escape all of that here in this life, but it means the more that we, we become like Jesus, the further we get from them. Ultimately, we escape them altogether, and I love that. And he says, when we do that, then his peace will guard our hearts and our minds and free us from anxiety. And here's what it says it'll do. It says, if that doesn't make sense to you, that's okay, because it frees us from it in a way that surpasses all understanding. It said, you won't even get, you'll, you'll think, this is just a part of my personality. I, I, didn't, I didn't think that I could be free from that. No, you're probably right. You're not going to get it. It surpasses all understanding the kind of peace that God gives us. And as we begin to pray, we begin to be free from that. And so the next thing a lot of people say is, but I don't really know how to pray. Paul gives you a really simple rubric. Can you put the passage back up? Let me show you how simple this is. He says, when you pray, do two things. All right? Um, tell God what you need and thank Him for everything that He's done. That's pretty simple. He says, that, that, that's all there is to prayer. You're just saying, thank you, God, because you did a lot for me and you'll continue to do for me. And, and, and you did that for me and this for me. And I'm just so thankful for all that you've done for me. And then just tell him what you need. So stay awake, tell God what you need, and tell him thank you. Right? Just, just begin with that. Begin to do some of those pieces. It says, as we begin to pray, uh, we begin to feel this peace that God gives us. So Paul says, step one, pray. But he doesn't stop there. He doesn't stop with this idea of prayer. Uh, let me tell you something pretty interesting that I learned this past week. There's this thing called uh, Oxford Analytics. Anybody ever heard of that? 
Anybody? Um, super interesting, right? Oxford Analytics is, is this. A group of professors at, uh, at Oxford University, they gather every morning, and what they do is, is a group of people come in and they brief them on all the problems happening around the whole world. And so it may be, you know, the price of crops in some part of the world or why crops aren't growing here and there, and then it may be wars and rumors of wars here, and it may be economic disaster in this other place. It's all kind of stuff. Right, the biggest news of the day. They come in, they share this with this group, and, and this group of people uh, just begin to talk about it. They share their thoughts about it, right? Super smart people, some of the smartest people in the world, and they begin to talk about it, and somebody's recording everything that they say. And once they're done with the few topics they're going to cover that day, they find if they don't have an industry panel expert right there, which they often don't have somebody that's a, a deep, deep expert in that area, they go find an expert, they email that expert, that expert does some research and sees their notes, sends in his notes, they compile all this stuff, and then they put it in this, in this sort of email blast thing, and they send it out, and people pay a lot of money for it. Some people that pay for it are like the, the CIA, um, Russia, uh, countries all around the world, right? right? It's a big deal. People pay for this information, and they pay a lot of money for it. And, and here's what happens. Here's what they say. And you can go on their website. You can Google Oxford Analytics. You can look them up. Here's what they say. They say, the best leaders make the best decisions with the best information. That's what they believe. The best leaders make the best decisions with the best information. And so the idea is the information that you put into your mind is going to affect the decisions that you make. And if we can give you the best possible information, you can likely make the best possible decision. You see, part of changing your mind, part of the whole idea of beginning to change the way that you think, right, is just by changing your inputs, Focusing on, on some good things, telling yourselves good things that are real and true rather than, rather than things that are all negative and all bad and focused on all the wrong things. See, if you want to change, if you want to begin to change your mind, you, you gotta change what you think about. And you gotta change the things that, that begin to infiltrate your mind. Here's what he says in the text. Uh, in verse eight, he says, and now, and so he's saying, in addition to this, in addition to praying, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. So one additional thing to this idea of having the peace of God. He says, fix your thoughts. This is the big part. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. And then the God of peace will be with you. Here's what I think a lot of us do. You, you could win a free vacation, right? Free vacation, you're going to the beach, totally paid for. Um, you got a great spot right there on the water, um, paid vacation, the whole nine yards. It's all free. And you get there, and, and, and you get all your gear loaded up, because we, we go to the beach like pack mules with all kind of stuff, you know. You finally get out to the water, you get everything set up, and then you realize that you forgot your sunscreen. And now you got to go all the way back to the room. And what's going through your mind as you're walking back to the room? What a beautiful vacation. I'm just so grateful to be going for a walk when normally I'm at work. Uh, man, the 100-degree the heat is really just shining down beautifully, and I'm loving it. Uh, now, all of a sudden, the sun is not shining. The sun just won't stop shining. 
and it's so hot, and I wouldn't have to wear sunscreen if I wasn't so pale, and yet another problem that I have. I couldn't have been on the first floor. They put me on the top floor. That's another problem. And, and everything that could possibly be wrong is what flows through our minds in this moment rather than all the good things that are happening right now. And when something bad happens, we just rush to all the things that could be wrong. And what Paul says is, begin to change your inputs. Remind yourself when you pay taxes that you made some money. <laughs> because the, the, the alternative is you could be poor. Now, if you're poor and paying taxes, you just got it bad. You got to focus on something other than money. Um, but the whole idea is, you can think about all the worst things, or you can think about something good. When time is really tight and you've got to take kids from one place to the next, or you, got, you, know, you could say, thank you, God, that I have a family that fills my schedule. Thank you, God, that I have a job that, that, I, that, that is a little bit demanding right now because the alternative is I could not have a job. And instead of, instead of putting into our mind all the things that could be wrong, we begin to think about many of the things that are so good. Um, if you ever find yourself and you've just been beaten and you're awaiting a sentence, right? Maybe you could begin to say that because you're a follower of Jesus, to die is gain. And so if the worst possible thing happens to you and the worst possible fate is, is, is on the horizon, you know that if you're a follower of Jesus, it's all okay anyway. Because to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And there's no way that if I'm a follower of Jesus that I lose here. Because everything is taken care of. Stop focusing on all the negatives and all the reasons this is bad and remind yourself that God is good, that He always provides. There is something to be happy about. Um, I just, this comes into my mind, and I didn't write this down, so it probably means it'll be terrible. But um, I just think I have such a problem when I start telling myself that my job is more important than it is that money is more important than it is, that the way people see me is more important than it is, and I begin telling myself so many things that aren't true, and then I make decisions at work based on the fact that I think that work is more important than it really is, and I work more hours, and I have less time at home with my family, and I have less time to spend with the church. And I make it, and when I tell myself things that aren't true, I begin to do things that affect my real life in a negative way. And if I begin to focus on things that are real and true, that my family is super important and way more important than the money that I make, and I begin to realize that, that my, my church family and my faith life and, and, and what I do for Christ is the only thing that really matters in the end, if I remember those things and I put good things in, man, my whole life is so much better. I don't have a good ending to that because I told you it just came to my mind. Uh, is it, here's the thing, here's the thing that some people are probably thinking, is it easy to just think about the good things? No, it's not easy. I don't mean to say that it's super easy to say, hey, you know, instead of thinking, oh no, I left the crock pot on, the house could burn down, the dog's going to die, I'm going to lose all the kids' baby pictures, right? Is it easy if that's your thought process is to just panic? Uh, Is it easy to just flee from that? No, it's absolutely not easy. You wouldn't do it if you could just stop it. But the reality is, you can do it. And as you begin to pray, and then as you just begin to work at it, telling yourself the true and the good things all the time, it begins to change. Here's another thing you can do. You can begin to put good information in. Are you surrounded by people that always remind you of all the things that could go wrong? That always tell you all the negative things? Man, stop giving those people the opportunity to speak into your psyche like that. 
and surround yourself with some, and you're like, well, I'd have to move out of my house, right? I'm not saying that you can't listen to those people at all, but surround yourself with another group of people that are beginning to tell you that, that, that the things that are good and the things that God has done for you and the things that are, that are lovely and admirable and good. Surround yourself with some people that do that. Hey, uh, little, yeah, that's what we want to do in small group. That's the idea of, of coming to small group, being a part of a community that when things are terrible, tell you the things that are good and tell you the things that God has done for you and remind you of some of those things. It's not easy, but it just takes time and it takes changing your circle and it takes a lot of prayer. You won't see a change on the outside until you make a change on the inside. So if you like the Cliff Notes version, if you're a person who never read the whole book and you just wanted the Cliff Notes version, wake back up. I'm going to give you the Cliff Notes version. Uh, begin, begin the whole process by changing your mind. And begin to change. If you're a follower of Jesus, right, you can begin to change your mind. And, and, and the first thing you can do there is just begin to pray. Do it all the time. Ask for what you need, say thanks, and don't fall asleep. Stay awake and get through all of it. Ask for what you need and say things. And secondly, change what you think about. Change your inputs. Focus more on things that are good and lovely and praiseworthy than you do all the things that could go wrong. Let me pray.